Thank you all for spending some time with us here at the house of God. I hope you guys are enjoying yourselves and also just finding peace in Christ. And and we're so happy to have all of you guys here. We're so thankful that you chose to come here today or chose to click on the link and watch us. Um, We are thankful. I hope you guys have been enjoying the series that we have started on the book of Luke as we look at Jesus and what we believe about Jesus. And I think something we should all be asking ourselves when we look at Jesus, when we think about Jesus, we should all have this question. Who is this man? We have seen the angels tell shepherds that Jesus is the Son of God. We saw at the baptism of Jesus that God himself declared that Jesus was his son. And last week, when Jesus was facing the devil in the wilderness, the devil himself even recognized that the, the identity of Jesus. He would say, Jesus, let's assume you're the son of God. And certainly, the devil witnessed that Jesus was the son of God. Jesus defeated the devil. But who is this one whom the devil and God called son of God? Who is this one who, as a child, had shepherds come to worship him? Who did this person think he was? In other words, who did Jesus think he was? Open up your Bibles if you have them. Open it up to Luke 4.14. Here we will find what Jesus thought, he, who he thought he was. And how it related to the type of ministry that he had and he would work or he he would do. The type of ministry that he would have. And Luke 4, 14, I hope you have it. It's also going to be on the screen. It says this. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit or the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then verse 20. Then he rolled up the scroll. Gave it back to the attendant. Sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Then, if we scroll down, we go all the way down to verse 31, you will find this. Then he went down to Capernaum, 
a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came without injuring him. And then the last portion I just want to read all the way towards the end of the chapter, verse 40. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, verse 42, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. If you could join me in prayer, that would be awesome right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and everything that you're doing. Lord, I pray that we may open up your word and, and that it would speak to us. We read from it just right now. And I pray that the truths about Jesus, about our master, our teacher, I pray that his words may transform us for the better. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So last Sunday, does anybody remember where Jesus was at last Sunday? Uh, maybe you watched the video. I, I wasn't feeling the greatest. I was feeling under the weather. But last Sunday, we saw that Jesus was led by God's Spirit to face the devil in the wilderness. And he was in isolation all by himself. But Jesus didn't stay in that place by himself forever. He stayed in isolation for 40 days, but then it was time to serve the people. Just as the Spirit had led Jesus to face the devil in the wilderness, now the Spirit led Jesus to Galilee. Maybe you would remember that Galilee is the region where Nazareth was at, Um, And this is where Jesus came from. Jesus had just defeated the devil in Judea, the southern part of the region. People witnessed God himself at the baptism of Jesus declare that Jesus was the Son of God. Yet Jesus never thought himself to be too good to return to his home. He wanted his ministry to start there. And news about his ministry spread. Jesus was good within his ministry. And that says something. Because the people Jesus went to minister knew him well. They saw him grow. It can be a scary thing to serve people he went to school with. Because they know everything about you. And maybe they are 
not likely to hear you. But with Jesus, news about his ministry was spreading in his hometown. Well, what was Jesus' ministry all about? What was his role going to be? How was Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, going to help the people? In the text that we read, it says that Jesus began to teach in the synagogues. In one plain word, Jesus was a teacher. Or, if we want to use the terms of their day, Jesus was a a rabbi. Jesus was a Jewish religious teacher. During the time of Jesus, there were these places of learning and community, these gatherings, these synagogues. Within these synagogues, the Jews, the descendants of Abraham and King David, would gather to read the Hebrew Scriptures, which is our Old Testament. They gathered to learn and grow together. Jesus was an itinerant speaker. He, he would go from synagogue to synagogue just to teach. The Son of God could have come as anything. He could have been born as a son of the Roman emperor. He could have been a military leader. But the Son of God came as a teacher. And we are invited through the writings of Luke to see what this teacher taught. We are invited into the classroom of Jesus to one of his lessons. In the passage that we read, what did Jesus teach? Well, he, he, he did something that isn't that unfamiliar to most of us. Jesus was at the synagogue and he did what Elida or Andrea or Oscar or myself today would do at, on any given Sunday. He came up to the podium, he opened a scroll and began to read. Jesus read from Isaiah 61, 1 through 2. But something interesting happened when Jesus read from Isaiah 61. After he read the passage, Jesus said that the passage he was reading was being fulfilled through him. I'm going to pick on Oscar since he's not here, but imagine if Oscar came up and he began to read Isaiah 9-6. A passage where it speaks about a child being born who would bring peace. And Oscar, after he read this passage about a son being born who would bring God's kingdom. After reading it, and he, he says, this passage is talking about me. It would sound ridiculous that Oscar would be the child who was the prince, the eternal father, the almighty. It's ridiculous. No offense to Oscar. But that's what Jesus did. He read a passage that spoke about the Messiah, the long-awaited king. And he said that this was being fulfilled with him. Jesus read that the spirit of the Lord had been upon him, that it is upon him. And we have seen that the spirit has empowered and has moved with Jesus. The spirit was present at the conception of Jesus. 
The Spirit descended on Jesus at his baptism. And within the battle that he had with the devil, Jesus demonstrated that the Spirit was with him. According to what Jesus read, the reason that the Spirit has been with him was that the Spirit had anointed him. The Greek word for anointed is the word krio, a word which meant to designate somebody, set apart somebody, or something for a mission. Jesus was krio by God. Maybe you have noticed krio and the word Christos, they, they are similar. They sound similar. They have similar meanings. Each time we reference Jesus as the Christ, we're not saying that the Christ is his last name, but we're saying that Jesus is the anointed one. We can say that this passage, the passage that Jesus read, means that God has made Jesus the Christ and Messiah. That is, Jesus is the one whom God has selected, designated, and empowered. And according to the passage that Jesus read, what was Jesus empowered, selected, and anointed to do? What, what was his purpose? Jesus saw himself as the one who was anointed to proclaim the gospel. To proclaim the gospel is not a task to be taken lightly. To proclaim the gospel is to say that God's king has arrived. To proclaim the gospel is to say while there appears to be just darkness, God has sent his son to bring light. Typically back in the day, the people would proclaim a gospel whenever a Roman king was born. And it was proclaimed to those who were part of the upper class, to the Roman officials, the poets, and intellectuals. But according to what Jesus read, he came not to primarily preach the gospel of peace and goodness to the wealthy. No, he came to preach good news to the poor. We have seen him not go to the high courts, the high churches, the synagogues of Jerusalem, at least not at first. Jesus, he was born in a small little city called Bethlehem. His birth was witnessed by shepherds who were considered to be unclean. And now he is in Galilee. Jesus is preaching to nobodies in a place no one would remember. Jesus was empowered to preach to the poor. If you were empowered by the God, just, just imagine this. If God had empowered you to speak who would you be empowered to speak to? You might imagine, oh, God has empowered me to go speak. And you might imagine speaking to presidents and CEOs. And while being gifted to do that is important, it's interesting to see that Jesus was empowered and he went to the poor. The idea of being poor in Jesus' time wasn't just economical. Being poor depended on education, gender, family heritage, religious purity, vocation, and all of these, those, those who came from these disadvantaged conditions were considered poor. They were a part of the lower class, and many considered them to be beyond saving. And yet Jesus preached good news to them. 
Jesus also saw himself as someone who was sent. He was sent by God. As John 3.16 states, God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. As the passage that Jesus read states, he believed he was sent. And why was he sent? Why did Jesus come from heaven above? Well, he came to preach freedom. Freedom to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. God sent Jesus to set the oppressed free. I think we need to remember why Jesus came to this world. The Son of God came as a teacher to bring freedom. During the time of Jesus, people were oppressed. They were literally oppressed. They were under Roman oppression. And yes, Jesus came to deliver the Israelites from the rule of Rome. But he also came to deliver people spiritually. People were oppressed by things unseen. People even now are still oppressed by things we cannot see. But Jesus has come to bring freedom. And I am here to point you to the teacher who brings freedom. Some things are keeping you captive. It may be a habit, a sin, a way of thinking. And I'm here to say that Jesus cares about you and he wants to bring freedom. And I pray that you may declare this biblical truth. God has sent and empowered Jesus to come to deliver humanity from oppression. Jesus came to bring true freedom. And he also came to make the blind see both physically and spiritually, either in this life or in the life to come. And I pray that you may see. Because Jesus has come to heal your blindness. You could now see a beautiful world with a beautiful God. And as the old hymn says, I once was blind, but now I see. You are blinded by sin, by darkness, by despair. But Jesus came so that the blind can see. And in verse 19, Jesus read and believed that he came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This passage is not talking about a literal time period or a literal year, but a period of time rather. Before this year, before this time period, Jesus believed that it was a time of darkness. But now, because Jesus has come, there is something to look forward to. God is working. God is bringing peace through his Messiah, his son, Jesus Christ. It would have been crazy to hear Jesus as a Galilean. Crazy to hear that he was the Messiah. With what authority is Jesus saying all of these great things? I mean, it sounds good that Jesus is the son of God who brings peace and freedom, who makes the blind see, who sets the oppressed free. It it sounds good. But maybe it's also a little weird that he is the son of a carpenter in the middle of nowhere. Can I even trust Jesus that he really is the son of God? 
Fortunately, we can. Jesus' actions demonstrated that he really was the fulfillment of what he read. Anyone could say that they are the Messiah, but show me the one who acts as the Messiah, as God's anointed. Look, look at what Jesus did. We read a story after we read about Jesus' teaching. We read a story about a demon. Jesus was teaching as a good rabbi on the Sabbath. That was their holy day. The people were amazed at his teachings because he taught with authority. His teachings were trustworthy. And then a person enters the synagogue. And it turns out that this person had a demon. In 21st century America, we don't like to hear about demons. We are empirical. We like to be able to test things and measure things. What matters is what is visible. But this was not always the case. And it is not currently the case in some places. In Latin America and in Eastern cultures, there is this recognition that there is something beyond what we can see. There is this invisible realm. And during the time of Jesus, it seems like the barrier between the visible and the invisible was particularly lowered. Because we see that a whole bunch of demons were present during the time of Jesus. People were, they, they viewed during Jesus' time that there was something beyond the material, something beyond the observable. And I believe that today there continues to be this invisible realm that influences a lot of things that we see in this world. A lot of the chaos and evils we see in the news and online are present, not just because of human interactions, but because of unseen forces. Sometimes, we, I admit, we do overemphasize the unseen world and blame everything on a spirit when it was just a natural occurrence or a human decision. But we should be aware that there are invisible influences that are at work in our daily lives. Within the passage we read, we saw that one of the invisible forces, a demon, had possessed a person. The word for demon comes from the Greek word daimonion. Don't think of Hollywood or movies. The idea behind daimonion is a transcendent being that is a negative spirit. They can speak just like the devil and they have the power to possess people. People who were under a demon were oppressed. This demon, the demon that we, we saw in this reading, was an impure spirit, knew who Jesus was. He knew that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. And because the demon knew who Jesus was, he feared. He cried out, what are we to do with you? The demon knew the role of Jesus. Demons are from the supernatural world. They, they, they can see what humans can't see. They saw that Jesus was a person of God and therefore a, an opponent of all forces that hurt, cripple, oppress, or alienate human life. And Jesus came to set people free. Jesus came to set this man who was under oppression, he came to set him free. To destroy the demon. He came to 
relieve, release, heal, and restore lives. The demon knew this. Therefore, the demon feared. He knew. He knew that Jesus was the Holy One of God. And Jesus did what he was supposed to do. He set the oppressed free. He told the demon, not with anything fancy or ritualistic as we see in movies. He just told the demon to be quiet and come out from the person. And the demon did. He left. You want to talk about authority. You want to talk about whether we should trust the authority of Jesus. I think this is a pretty strong argument that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus speaks and the demons leave. Not only did Jesus rebuke demons, not only did he set the oppressed free, but he also made the blind see. The people brought Jesus, all those who were sick, and Jesus laid his hand upon each one of them. He wasn't afraid of getting his hands dirty. And when he laid his hand on them, they were healed. And other demons came and they were expelled. What's interesting is that the demons would cry out emphatically a declaration. They would say, they would declare that Jesus was the Son of God, that he was the Christ, the anointed one. And when the demons said this truth, Jesus told them to be quiet. This kind of sounds kind of weird because wouldn't Jesus want everyone to know that he was the Christ? Well, there would be times when he would reveal himself. But there were also other times where he wouldn't. In this case, as the following verse reveals, he didn't want the demons to reveal because he had to go to other places. If he had allowed the demons to speak about how he is the Messiah, there would be an uproar. Jesus probably would have been crucified earlier. But Jesus was intelligent in his approach. He revealed his identity to as many as he can without dying before his time. He wanted to live. To do what? Was it he wanted to live to gain a following? No. To create a business? No. A new religion? No. He wanted to live so that he could proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. That's why he was sent. Jesus was sent to preach that God's kingdom has arrived in him. Order and peace and justice and love have arrived in this world that is full of the opposite. The kingdom of God refers to both God's saving activity and to the community and practices that embody God's saving purpose. The Jews were waiting for the day when God would assert himself as the king over the nations. According to Jesus, in him, God has become king and therein is the authority to combat evil 
Jesus was and is the Son of God. And as the Son of God, he was a teacher. He taught that he was the fulfillment of the Hebrew scriptures of the Old Testament, that he has come to preach good news to the poor, to preach freedom to the captives, to bring healing and sight, to set free the oppressed. Jesus taught that he ushered a new time period, a new age. We can trust this man. He is the Son of God. And he has shown it. He has shown his power to heal, his power to set the captives free. And I pray that today you may experience the freedom from our King. I encourage you today as a response to hearing this, that you would tell Jesus, you would tell him that I know you are the Son of God. And that you came to set the captives free. So set me free, God. I hope that you start a journey with our teacher as a student. That you recognize that he is the anointed one. And for those that are already students of Jesus, I pray that you will continue to spread the teachings of our master. I end with the words of origin. Origen was an early Christian leader in the second century, third century in Africa. Um, and he, he was a very popular teacher. And this is what he said about the passage that we read, especially concerning when Jesus read from the scroll and said this was about him. When Jesus had read this passage, he rolled up the scroll, gave it to the servant, and sat down. And the eyes of all, in the, of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Now too, if you want it, your eyes can be fixed on the Savior in this synagogue. Here in this assembly. When you direct the principal power of seeing in your heart to wisdom and truth, and to contemplating, thinking about God's only begotten. Your eyes gaze on Jesus. Blessed is the congregation, the church, of which scripture testifies that the eyes of all were fixed on him. How much would I wish that this assembly gave such testimony. I wish that the eyes of all of catechumens, those are those who are beginning their Christian life studying and, and faithful, those who are already Christians. I wish that the eyes of all, of women, men, and children, not the eyes of the body, but the eyes of the soul, would gaze upon Jesus. When you look to him, your faces will be shining from the light of his gaze. You will be able to say, the light of your face, Lord, has made its mark upon us. And right there where you're at, if you could just close your eyes and I pray that you pray with me. And that also as we sing, you pray to Jesus. 
to respond to this message right now and right here. And also that you would respond throughout the week. But for now, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us here and opening up your word. We saw that Jesus was a wonderful teacher. He taught with authority. And he taught that he came to set the oppressed free. We look at Jesus today. Not physically, but spiritually. We look at him and we recognize that he is the son of God. That he has come to set us free from the oppression and sadness and despair that we have been facing. Set us free. And I pray that the light of Jesus may shine shine on our face. That when people see us. They could tell that we are a student, a follower, a disciple of Jesus, of his teachings, and that we could point others to him and that others could recognize and experience that he has the power to set us free, to heal broken hearts, and to just help us grow and flourish in life. Jesus, I pray for everyone here that as we sing, we look at Jesus and what he has given us. Lord Jesus, I pray that you may be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.